0: This is the Breaking Labels Podcast, and I'm Rosanna Gill. Each episode, we'll discuss labels that have confined the stories of my guests at one point or another and their journeys to thrive beyond them. Some labels are external, and others we put on ourselves as limiting beliefs. But regardless of where the label comes from, we're here to break it because we were meant for so much more. Welcome back to another episode of the Breaking Labels podcast. This week's treat, and man is it a treat, is my conversation with Corinne Crabtree. I have been an avid listener of her podcast, Losing 100 Pounds with Corinne, for at least a year now. I love her tell-it-like-it-is ways. I love that she curses. Heads up, she curses during this episode. If you don't like that, then maybe you don't want to listen. But if you do, and you like it like I do, you're going to love this episode. And you know what? I'm going to tell you, even if you don't like cursing, can you just try? Can you try listening? Because, man... Does she go through it all? You might think that this is just a weight loss episode or talking about emotional eating. No, no, no. There's so much more. I mean, I basically got life coached by Corinne and you're welcome. You're welcome in advance. So before we jump into this episode with Corinne, I did want to let you know about our partner for this week's episode and it is Candid. Candid is actually the company I'm using to fix some crowding issues that I'm having with my teeth. I've been having it for a couple years, ever since I got my wisdom teeth taken out a couple years ago. The crowding has just progressively gotten worse. I think that kind of just comes with aging, but it was something that I was getting pretty self-conscious about, and I decided that I wanted to take care of it. You know, better timing would have been to have done this at the very beginning of the pandemic because I would have had these bad boys off by then. But, or actually, I would have had these bad boys off by now, but you know what, hindsight's 2020. I'm really excited though to be using Candid because I am, as I record this episode on week three, And I was very nervous about starting another aligner program because I used a different company in 2019. And I just really was not terribly thrilled with the whole process. Candid, however, I've really enjoyed so far. I have not had any pain, which is big for me. I mean, maybe I'm just a wimp, but that tooth pain hits different than some regular pain. But I haven't had any tooth pain they make it super easy. I got the box with all of my treatments, you know, sectioned out by the two-week increments that I change out my aligners. It comes with some whitening foam. It comes with this really cool contraption that takes pictures of my teeth as I go along in the process. And those scans, which by the way, I upload on an app on my phone because <laughs> hallelujah for 2021, send the scans through the app goes and is viewed by an orthodontist and they let me know whether or not things are happening the way they should be and if we need to do some adjusting. It's pretty amazing. The only time I've had to go into an office was the first time for my first consultation. And if you use the link in my show note, you can get $250 off your aligners if you decide to go get them. Click on the link, schedule a consultation, and then see if it's something you are interested in doing for yourself. Thank you to Candid for being our partner for the week. And with that, let's jump into this life-giving conversation with Corinne. Okay, so I'm here with Corinne Crabtree, who has, if you are an avid listener of the podcast, one, I have referred to her or talked about her on a couple episodes. Um, But she has an amazing podcast, Losing 100 Pounds with Corinne. And she has a coaching program. Um, isn't it? Well, No BS Women,
1: Fit and Fat Tribe. Yeah, we are. It's the No BS Weight Loss Program. Uh, we, back in the day, we were the, fit. when I first started 14 years ago, it was fit and fat. I was a diehard pink camo wearing blinged out bandana person who was just like, wow, oh. <laughs> weight. We're going to sweat together, ladies, and, all things, and <laughs> came up with that. And then it morphed into PNP tribe because it was, we became more of a family and mm-hmm. PNP was a lot easier to say than fit and fat. And then, um, as we grew and evolved and I got more into the coaching part of it, I wrote a program and a course and basically just really grew up in my business and figured out, like, what is it about like my methodology? And uh, it became, it's like no bullshit. Like we're going to mm-hmm. cut out all the tricks and antics and stuff. And that's how it became the No BS Weight Loss Program. And now we're No BS Women. It's just, um, I think a grown ass woman feels better being considered a No BS woman than a, uh, than a fit and fat girl. <laughs> I don't know if, you, if, if it's the right person.
0: I think you call me just about anything, but yeah <laughs> who, who doesn't love No BS? Now I'm curious, and I've wondered this for the longest, because I know that before you went on the journey that led to becoming a coach, you know, you had your own weight loss struggles. Mm -hmm. And what I've always wondered is not so much what made you go down that journey, right? Because you'd already started or attempted losing weight a number of times, but what kept you going? And what were the things that you told yourself to keep going when the excitement of starting something new and doing something different wasn't there anymore?
1: Yeah, so when I... All my, so I had like a career in trying to lose weight all my life. I, you know, was overweight from the age of nine and I joined as everybody does, they make their rite of passage by going through the doors of Weight Watchers at some point. And I'm always (laughs) shocked when somebody's like, I've never been on Weight Watchers. I'm like, what? I thought like, we come out of the womb with a gift card of like your first one's on me. (laughs) So I joined Weight Watchers first time with my mom at twelve. So I was really good at starting diets and like careening off the rails. And I weighed between like 175 to 250 most of my life. The last time when I decided to lose weight, it was very different than any other time. So like all the other times, I basically had gotten so miserable with myself and talked so nasty to myself that I would go and find something punishing to do. Like I would just be like, I will do anything to get away from this. And so that made me pick anything. Anything sounded better than Mm -hmm. what I was doing to how I was talking to myself. But this last time I was, you know, I was at my heaviest weight I'd ever been and probably at one of the lowest points of my life. But when I decided to lose weight, I didn't go out and find something I told myself I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm going to figure this out. And so I swear to God, the next morning I woke up and I thought, all right, what can I do today? And I made this agreement with myself that every day I was going to wake up and I was going to figure out something a little bit different than the day before that I could do. And I would only do things that I was ready for. And that at that point would feel like I was ready to do it for the rest of my life. So that meant that a lot of my changes were so minuscule, but my mindset was always like, I think I can do this today. Mm-hmm. This sounds like a good idea. And so as I was getting wins, like, cause I was doing the things that I said I would do and I was following through, I was feeling better about myself because I was telling myself things like, you know, you're doing so good. Like I'm, I'm. You did it again today. This is working. I just had these little bitty thoughts like that that were happening. So I, I never had that crash where I think when you start something so obscenely hard mm-hmm. and like you can make yourself and beat yourself. And it's like you know. You're so lazy. You've got to do this for the next, you know, six months. And you're like, you're so like, just that beat down. Eventually you just can't take that beat down anymore. It's not only is the process hard, but your thinking's hard on top of it. And so you just crumble. Mm -hmm. What I had done is I eased up the process, talked to myself better. And so I never really, what I would consider, it's like, I never felt highly motivated Hmm. but every single day I felt very willing. I f- it all felt very doable. There was almost more of a sense of calm going on. Oh. And so it was different than that rush of like, I've got to be motivated. I got to be excited. I got to be like, I've got to feel this amazing high or I've got to be just making myself through brute force and then come crashing down. There was no crash. Now there were times where, um, things would happen, say, um, Like I wouldn't lose weight for a week or something Mm -hmm. like that would happen. And I remember thinking, just keep going. It made it for the first time ever. And I think it was because my self-talk was changing. It made sense to me that eating over the scale, not going down, probably wasn't a good solution. (laughs) Like when we say it out loud, we're all like, yeah, probably not. (laughs) In the moment though, we're so mad and we're so upset and we're so whatever that we eat to get away from the self-loathing. It is not because eating is a good solution. It's not because it makes sense. It's literally to escape how hard we are on ourselves if the scale doesn't change. And I just like this last time, I was way more aware of my self-talk than I ever had been. And that really made all the difference.
0: What tuned you into your self-talk? Because I feel like I have spent my 34 years trying to ignore my self-talk.
1: Well, I did the same. So that was one reason why I ate and stuff. And I I wish that I could tell people because now that I've, you know, like six years ago, I went and became, I mean, I lost my weight 15 years ago, but six years ago is when I actually went and got certified as a life coach and then a master coach, because for the years prior that I always knew that it, I was talking to myself different, but I never knew why I never, I never could piece it all together. But then when I went back and got like really understood how you think and you feel, it all made sense as to what changed for me. It was like, all of a sudden I shined the light on my own history and I could see what was happening. I think for me, I just had one fundamental thought that lit up the next couple of steps ahead of me that this was not going to be a diet solution that I needed, that I literally couldn't afford to keep thinking the way I was thinking. I remember um, like on weigh-ins or if um, I had made an agreement with myself that I would walk every day, like 15 minutes. I wasn't like going out and, you know, jazzercise walking or doing any kind of thing like that. It wasn't like I was setting records, but I had made this decision that I was going to walk every single day for 15 minutes. And that I really felt like someone who was healthy and going to live a long life probably like took a walk every day mm-hmm. and there would every now and then be days where I would miss one for legit reasons like I remember one time just had bad diarrhea I know that sounds <laughs> terrible but I had really bad diarrhea and like I knew the truth. that there was no leaving the house for 15 minutes. Like it was one of those days and you know, I've had a kid and so you don't always have a reliable colon. <laughs> you <laughs> never know when the bladder or whatever is going to go haywire. And I would want to sit there and beat myself up like, you're, you know, one day leads to 20, you know, like I would want to do that. And I remember just listening and thinking, you cannot think like that. Mm. That I, like it, there was this stark parallel to me, like the version of you that's quit every single time only quit because you talked to yourself like this. You talked yourself into quitting because you're so hard on yourself. We can't like I already knew that learning how to have a different relationship with food, not overeating and stuff that in and of itself was going to be hard enough that I did not need to layer my mental bullshit on top. I did not need to layer self-loathing on top of that because that was going to be the straw that would break the camel's back. It was never going to be a missed walk. It was going to be how I talked to myself about a missed walk that was going to cause me to quit or get me off my game. And it just made sense in the moment. And now when I look back from my master coach perspective, It's like, no fucking wonder all that worked. You didn't talk to yourself like an asshole. Like it's not rocket science. I just got very aware of how I was speaking to myself and made myself speak differently because I would tell myself, 100% we know this line of thinking is not helpful and you can't afford to spend time there.
0: One thing that I would always know was not going to work, but still kept trying was I just need that one thought, that one habit. And if I have that habit that no matter what happens in my life, or if I'm out to eat and having a good time and I have one too many drinks, I'm not going to eat too much food right after or whatever. I always thought there was just this one perfect thing that if I just had this one saying in my head, I'd always be fine. Mm -hmm. And it is, I'm not going to lie. I still wish there was a magic thought. I really do, because to know now that it's always going to be different, it's not really that situation that I need to worry about. It's whatever's going on in my head and the thoughts that are associated with that. But I guess what sometimes has overwhelmed me is the amount of work it is to work on mindset versus like, give me a diet plan and a hardcore workout plan. And I just press play, go through the motions and go about my life. And I can ignore my brain.
1: I mean, a lot of people can do that. If you can do that, I say, go for it. Mm -mm. But most of us, what happens is we think that's easier, except we are really good at it for about three to six weeks or like a lot of times people can do it for 90 days or they can do, what is that 75 days hard? Mm -hmm. That bullshit, I am just like, yeah. (laughs) I wanna know who's lifetime 75 hard. A lot of people can get to, if they can see a finish line, they can get there. But then the problem is, is they carried their own brain to the finish line. And then once they they have to go back to their car, they got their old shitty brain still sitting there, judging them, wondering if this is gonna be good enough. How the hell am I gonna keep up doing this? I mean, if you're thinking whatever your program is, how the hell am I gonna do this for the rest of my life? That should be a real warning sign that when you lose the weight, that you're gonna be lost, not knowing what to do. You're going to be left with whatever you were doing before, because you've Mm -hmm. only got two things that make sense, asshole tactics that you're not sure you can do the rest of your life or exactly what you did before, because you've not practiced anything in the middle. And that is, I think, a big thing, too, is that, you know, we like to think that, you know, we'll just do something really hard and we'll just push play. We'll just do these things. And then when I get to my goal that I'll be so thrilled that I will now practice the moderation and stuff. That never happens because (laughs) your brain hasn't ever practiced moderation. Even moderation compared to restriction will feel out of control. Mm -hmm. And that will be the problem is that you've been telling yourself you have to have all these strict rules and you have to do this. And I've got it like I got to follow this plan and everything when you're left to just moderation you'll put in like a day to go out to eat and um, like, I'm going to have what I want. You know, before 75 days, I couldn't have anything I wanted, but today I get to, then that will feel very out of control because all you'll tell yourself is like, oh my God, I wonder if I'll gain weight tomorrow. I wonder what the scale is going to say. Like we don't practice any of that stuff. So I think when people tell me like the mental work is so hard or whatever, I always tell people, I don't think it's that hard. All I'm asking you to do is find a thought that feels like shit and plug in a thought that feels better. And then just practice better thinking when you think old shitty stuff until you feel better. And then, yeah, we're like, oh, my God. And then that's the work, Corinne. It's like <laughs> most people, what they want to do is like, here's what I want to do. I want to pick an asshole program that's going to be super hard. Mm-hmm. And I want to bring my fear of food and my worries at the scale is not moving fast enough. My body image disorder. I want to bring all that along for the ride. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, that's the easy way to do it. And I'm like, all right, go for it. If you think that's easy, more power to you.
0: How often do you think we actually know the solutions already?
1: Like every time. I think we're afraid of the solutions. Mm. So like uh, people will tell me like, I just been bouncing around for like the same five pounds. And they're like, I just don't know what's going on. Give me two minutes and they will have told me out of their own mouth what's going on. No one has ever like legit stumped me. I've never like just thrown my hands. up going like, hell, I don't know. Like, I just, (laughs) it's all perfect. I, you know, got me, we better call the doctor. No one has ever been able to do that. What always ends up happening is I'll say things like, well, if you had to guess in the last two weeks, if I took a look at all your behaviors, is there something I would see? Like, well, you know, this this one day I ate this and, you know, I'm not really overeating, but sometimes I eat a little bit too much, but it's like all healthy. They'll tell me all this stuff as if and it's, what they're saying is, I have some emotional eating that I would like to not count. So what I would like to do is see the scale go down and be able to hang on to emotional eating. Tell me how that works. So rather than asking that question, they're just like, I'm so confused. It's an anomaly. <laughs> Never is some, like, if you are not losing weight consistently, especially if you are bouncing around the same pounds or whatever, there is always a reason. Mm -hmm. It's usually a reason you don't want to admit to. Mm. And like some of my clients will go two weeks being super restrictive because I don't teach that shit, but they'll like convince themselves that the reason why they're not losing weight is because they're not restrictive enough. And so they'll deprive and restrict for two weeks and the scale will barely move because they think it should just go like hellfire Mm -hmm. and it'll just go a pound or two because their body is like fuckery's a foot all the time with you. Like you're either eating your face off or you're restricting. So it's not going to just be like a whim all at once. (laughs) Then they get so mad that the scale's not moving fast enough and they Mm -hmm. spend time in frustration, then they eat their face off for three days. Mm -hmm. And then they go right Mm -hmm. back. And then they're like, they're blaming. I just don't understand why I'm like losing and gaining the same five pounds. And it's like, I don't know, you're binging your face off every two (laughs) weeks for three days and then acting like an asshole the rest of the time by not eating. Yeah, your body is not gonna wanna lose weight with that plan. You're Mm -hmm. traumatizing your body and Mm -hmm. expecting it to perform like a monkey. Like that shit don't work.
0: Can I tell you one thing? And I, so a really good friend of mine, Val, who's also in um, the No BS program, and she was on the episode of the podcast. I told her, I said, I always knew because the reason I never did diet pills is because they would always say stuff like, it's going to reduce your appetite. And I would roll my eyes and be like, well, that appetite ain't my problem. I eat when I'm not hungry. Like you can reduce my <laughs> appetite all you want. Like, exactly. I, would think, I would say that and I would know it, but I would still be like, but I need a new workout plan.
1: Yeah, there was never a diet bill that when I would go out with my friends to Outback on a Friday night, but like, I'm just not hungry for the bloomin' onion and, you know, margaritas. Texas <laughs> cheese fries or Outback yeah. cheese fries, Outback fries. Yeah, it's really. like when everybody's like most of us, this is the funny thing. Most of us aren't having a problem with our hunger. Mm-hmm. We trick ourselves into thinking that the reason why we can't lose weight is because of like this whole hunger thing. The I have coached, thousands of women, very rarely is this a real hunger issue. It is, they don't need an appetite suppressant. Mm -hmm. Now, if I could give them a pill that just leveled out their emotion, like a a drama-free pill, like, you know, rather than appetite suppression, if I could just give them a pill that suppressed all their inner drama about their partners mm-hmm. their bosses their life their past like all like their what mother. they think other people are thinking about them like if we could just suppress all that would no fool have a hard time losing weight because we're eating because we don't like wasting food that has nothing to do with a diet pill mm-hmm. we're eating because it's free somebody brought it in and we don't want to miss out that has nothing to do with a diet pill we've had a bad day and at eight o'clock at night All we want to do is check out and we don't want to listen to babies talk and we don't want to listen to partners spout off about their bad day or watch them sit on the couch while we do dishes. So we're eating for those reasons. Diet pills don't solve all that. Mm -mm. So it's like, that is the thing that we have to realize. All a diet pill will do is make you not hungry during the part of the day that you normally aren't overeating. And like you'll skip meals or no time because you've never even had, like so many people don't have a problem with breakfast and lunch because, yeah, because the bullshit of your mind hasn't built up yet. Mm-hmm. And a diet pill will be like, make it will convince you to skip breakfast and lunch because it is suppressing your appetite. But by the time dinner comes, you could do it for a little while. And then dinner comes and then it's time to relax. And it's the weekend and things like that where our normal excuses come in. That do not help with any of that. Mm hmm. I remember I used to take them back in my, oh God, my early twenties, me and my girlfriend, we were constantly going to GNC to see what the new one was. We'd try them for two weeks, feel like, like cracked out, like shit. Like it is a wonder I did not die in my twenties trying to solve my weight (laughs) issues.
0: So I'm curious as the professional, right? Like you have done this for 15 years now, 15 years, so many women what are the things that cause those thoughts to still come up from you? Because you, it's not that the thoughts don't still come, right? right? So what are the triggers or the things that you've noticed do still bring those thoughts to the forefront?
1: Um, for me, so it's, and this is what I want to say is that the brain is not designed to have like purity of thought at all times. Like, I think a lot of us are like on some kind of pursuit to be, you know, happy all the time. I mean, that's why they created drugs. So if you really want to be happy all the time, you need to become like a cokehead or, you know, something along those lines. You're supposed to have the full range of emotions anyway. So I think one is it's very natural to like to have thoughts that aren't going to work for you. And most of us just have patterns. So for me, um, I grew up very worried about other people's opinions, you know, really? I was bu- oh God. Yeah. I was bullied so bad growing really up. It surprises me. I would not have ever expected that. Well, I've worked on it. That's why it's probably surprising to people to this today who know me now mm-hmm. as the version of me that has worked on for 15 years, really learning how to create the opinion I want for myself. and And, and when I say don't give a fuck about what other people's opinions are, it's not, that, it's not that I don't give a fuck, it never bothers me. It's more about being, I am so aware of when I am allowing comments and opinions and stuff to interfere with my emotional internal environment. And that's because I'm paying attention to it. And I am like trying to solve it or I am thinking it shouldn't be happening. I'm so aware of those patterns now that when they start, I'm really good at reminding myself who I am. I'm really good at like saying like, yeah, no, they're wrong. They don't know me. Like Mm -hmm. rather than saying they don't know me and needing to go to war and argue. I'm just like, I don't even need to go to war. They don't know me. I know me now. And when that happened, when that really became like what I believe I was able to just like, when I hear other people's opinions and stuff, it stings to this day but it only stings for a little bit i don't get i don't spend three days eating over it anymore and i don't spend a week trying to f- tell everybody the story over and over and over again until i've heard enough from other people it's okay to be like okay and now i can believe it mm-hmm. you know, now i do that for myself but i grew up really bullied i mean like from the age of nine on i was made fun of for my weight Like, I mean, my dad and I are in a good place now, but my dad, you know, pretty much checked out of our lives when I was nine. He was very not interested in us. That left me with a lot of throughout my twenties and thirties, seeking external approval, testing Mm -hmm. love. Um, Like with Chris, one of the things I watch now that's still one of my patterns is testing Chris's love, you know, like if he doesn't do something like I think like like what I think he should like I start arguments and like get really upset to just get to make sure he really loves me versus just like deciding I don't think him not taking out the trash on a Tuesday is a sign of our declaration of our love or not you know like just understanding I do things like that um but yeah I mean we're all gonna always have triggers and we're all gonna have stuff for all of our lives, you just get better and better at recognizing your patterns. For Mm -hmm. me, I'm really good at noticing now when I feel something Mm. and when I use, when I start feeling angry, when I start feeling um, ashamed, like sometimes if somebody says I suck on the internet or whatever, I immediately feel a lot of shame as if it's true. And I've noticed that I'm real good now at allowing myself to feel it, but not react to it, not need to yell, not need to prove myself, not need to change things, not need to hide, isolate, eat or whatever. I just feel it and I'm like, okay, but what's really going on here? And I'm really good about thinking it through and understanding what I'm thinking that's helpful and what I'm thinking that's so not helpful in the moment. I'm so curious. Okay. So,
0: and it's funny you said that because I, I literally had that moment and I think it might have been on your podcast where you were talking about it, where I had a moment the other day where I felt very inadequate. I got an assignment from work and I was just like, I don't know how I'm supposed to complete this based on what I have. And I went into all the, I'm not smart enough to th- for this. I've never been smart, all that stuff. And I just was like, maybe if I just, normally I would just go get a snack or I would go on Instagram and distract myself. And I was like, all right, we're going to sit with this for just a bit. And Mm -hmm. I don't remember where I heard. And they said that it would pass in 30 seconds. It was like the longest 30 second hour of my life. But I was like, okay, okay. I could probably figure out. And it was just like, I'm not going to solve it. I'm just going to give myself little steps, little steps. And I got to the end of it. And I was
1: like, is that all I ever had to do? Yeah, that's well. And that is, so the way feelings work is every feeling is caused by a sentence in your brain. And every, every thought has a like, like I always call it, it's like going up to the bar and ordering a shot. So mm-hmm. the thought is like telling the bartender, I want a shot of Jaeger or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then when they give you the shot, it the feeling courses through your brain. So the thought happens, there's a feeling that always comes along. And that feeling is the chemicals that re- release through the body. Okay. And they have about a 90 second life cycle. Some have oh, less, really? That yeah, sense. 90 is for the like extreme emotions. Okay. So like shame or mm. uh, anxiety, panic, things like that. But every sentence will have its own unique little cocktail of things. So if you are thinking like, you know, like you got an assignment and you're like, oh my God, I don't know what to do. So the first thing you have is confusion or overwhelm, which mm-hmm. has its own little co- like, here's a little shot of whiskey. Mm -hmm. And then you've got on there like, oh my God, I'm not good enough to do this. Now you got the next one. Like, so that's why it's really important to, when you start feeling some of those feelings come through to just be like, all right, we're just going to sit here for a minute. We're going to let some of this process through because then what happens is when you concentrate on your body, your brain is no longer populating the sentences that are sending more and more and more chemical reactions through your body. Mm -hmm. That's what makes feelings last longer, 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 longer. So if you only have two or three, not 90 seconds, you have an hour's worth of spiraling and thinking toilet thoughts You feel like, you know, all day long, you're stressed. All day long, you have anxiety. All day long, you can't breathe. And it's only because you're allowing these thoughts to just populate without any intervention from you. Most of us are just believing the shit we're thinking. And I'm like, every thought, there's no thought you have that's true. Mm -hmm. Every one of them is the way you are perceiving something in the moment. So if it feels bad, you need to check, like, what is my perception right now? And is this his perception that I want to tell? I could tell something else that would feel more neutral. Like, like, in your case, most people want to go to, if I don't know what to do, they're like, okay, well, what I would like to think is, I am magnificently blessed and gifted to solve any problem handed to me and we'll get a raise because of it. Like we always want to go to fantastical land. It's like, rather than thinking I'm not good enough to solve this, we could just say, I have a work thing. I need to think on it. Mm -hmm. You know, like you can just literally go to something completely benign. That's also very true. It may be feeling true that you don't know what to do, And that's okay. But if it feels terrible, do we want to sit and think, I don't know what to do? Or do we want to sit and think right now? I want to think on it. Mm -hmm. They have very different emotions behind them and they're both true. true. And it's just getting really good at watching for when you think one thing. And if like, if I don't know how to do this, it's going to trigger, I'm not good enough. Oh my gosh, I'll probably fail at this. Oh my gosh, if I fail, what if if they write me up? What if they give me something else I can't do? I'll probably get fired then. And then will I even be able to find another job? You notice how like it's real easy for your brain to just like go down a road. But if you can stop it early on or just anywhere and just say, all right, what's needed right now? Mm -hmm. And just think that and just get real present. It allows those feelings to process. It lets you concentrate on your body. It gives you some clarity and space in the moment.
0: I'm curious, when did you decide to transition from like, this is my story, this is what I
1: figured out to like making a business of this? So when I when I first started, so I've been in business for 14 years now, or 13, 13 or 14 years, 2007, however long that is. So I lost my weight in 2005. And then in 2007 is when I got like, when I actually incorporated, (laughs) got my LLC going. But when I lost, when I started losing weight and I lost my weight, it was the first time in my life that I actually felt good about myself. And Mm -hmm. I remember telling my husband, it was the first time ever in my life. Like, and I mean, I had lost weight before. I'd never gotten that thin, but I had never felt good about myself when I lost weight. I had always lost enough weight to kind of feel okay, but I just remember I had lost weight so many times, hating what I did and worrying I'd never be able to keep my weight off that it never felt truly happy and amazing and at peace. When I lost my weight this time, there was a conviction in my bones that I would never regain my weight. Mm -hmm. I had changed fundamentally who I was on the inside and like there was, I I just looked at him and just said, every woman should be able to feel this amazing. Every woman should be able to believe in themselves like this, like this, Mm -hmm. I know they don't like, i remember telling him like, and they don't Chris, like I was trying to convince him, like women don't feel this way. So that's when I decided to start. And, um, I started off really simply and I, at the time people would write in and I would give them workouts, like, cause I was like big into working out at that point. And, um, and I would help them like with their food, but 80% of what we did was email back and forth each day, not about their exercise plan and not about their food. We emailed about their life and about their dreams and how they were feeling and, and who they wanted to be. And I was just talking to them. And so after a few years, I was trying to do it this old way. And I really started understanding, trying to give people exercise, not only was creating new exercise plans exhausting, Mm -hmm. but I had like thousands of them. And I was like, I don't know why I'm creating new ones every fucking month now. (laughs) And I was like constantly like, like trying to answer food questions. and, And then I would be like, but why are you even overeating to begin with? Like, I can tell you all day long you know, stop eating this snack at three o'clock. You're obviously not hungry. Like we don't need a different snack. We need to know what the fuck's wrong with your life at three o'clock every day that you need to eat. Mm -hmm. And so it really dawned on me that I knew that I was, the people that I was helping that was focused on their thinking and their emotional life, they were the ones losing the weight. They were the ones that were making the change. And then the ones who were just there for the plan and just for the workouts, they were always the same weight. They, they never, like, they could kick themselves ass in the gym, but they'd eat every night. But they weren't interested in all that. Mm-hmm. So in 2015, I had to make a really tough choice. I only had 150 members. And um, that's 150 people that I worked with. And I knew I wanted to help lots of people. But I didn't want to keep doing it the way I was doing it. And I wanted mm-hmm. to shift into, I really wanted to be a coach. I wanted to teach people how to truly feel better. And I wanted to teach them how to make weight loss as simple as possible. I did. I never wanted another woman to have to have a meal plan. I wanted to teach them how to decide what the fuck they wanted to put in their mouth and enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Like I wanted women to get liberated with food and um, announced it, lost half my members, half of them were like, it's a no, like I'm like going over, I'm going to beach body now, or I'm going (laughs) to somewhere else. And the other half stuck around. And, um, from that point on, I just got such clarity that the path to us losing weight was really learning how to believe in ourselves and overcoming quitting and learning how to talk to ourselves on days when we feel bad and learning how to, like, I was just coaching a group before this call, six women had won a free hour with me from our membership who had participated in a challenge and none of them wanted help with food. We coached about a mother-in-law. We coached about a child with a diagnosis. We coached on urges, like, like not believing in yourself anymore. We just coached on everything but that stuff. That's where people get help. Because that's the things that we really have to overcome in order to be able to lose our physical weight. When the mental weight comes off, the physical weight falls off. Mm
0: -hmm. I'm so curious of all the women that have come to you to lose weight, how many have you coached? And then they decide to go do something else that they've always wanted to do, like start a business or leave an abusive spouse or whatever it might be. Like, what are those? Because I have a feeling that that's happened a
1: lot. It, It happens daily. Uh, We have right now like 10,000, I think 600 members or something like that. Um, Like every day, what I'm most proud of in our group is people, I mean, people are losing weight all the time, but what, what really lights me up is when I go into the group and people are posting about things that they're doing for the first time in their life that they've never given themselves permission to do that they've always thought they couldn't do. Um, I mean, it's daily. I, I wish I knew, but so many people have started businesses. One of our success stories started a fucking cookie. She lost 80 pounds and started a cookie business. She <laughs> bakes cookies for a living and she, she's like, I never would have thought that I would be baking cookies for my living. This is how she supplements their income. She makes almost as much money as her husband now. And she's like, and I lost 80 pounds. So we have people that do that. We have people that a lot of our women are doing um, activities that they were too ashamed to do. And they're not doing them now because they've lost some weight. I mean, a lot of them have lost some weight, but they're they're not, what I love is they're not waiting until they lose all of their weight to go kayaking, hiking, mm-hmm. to wear a bikini, to like do all kinds of things. And they're doing it every single day. So many of them, Uh, go to family vacations for the first time because they've been so worried and ashamed Mm. they would be in a picture that they wouldn't even go on a family vacation. They would send their kids with the dad or with their wife and they would stay home and use work or something as an excuse. And they'll say, I have missed so many vacations because I've used work as an excuse or someone needs to take care of the dog when it was really, I didn't want anybody to see me in a bathing suit. I didn't want anybody to judge me. I didn't, I knew that I wouldn't be able to ride the rides. So I stayed home. And I think that for our, for our people, um, just those kinds of things light me up. And we have had several people like leave relationships mm-hmm. that they never had the courage to, or I will tell you some of the best things that we end up having is a lot of people come in thinking they have, um, Uh, like a marriage that's on the skids and they realized the marriage was never on the skids. They weren't connecting themselves. They were spending so much time isolating. They weren't even letting people in and their marriages have improved and stuff. And it's like, and nobody changed, but me, my Mm -hmm. attitude changed. I started looking around and noticing people do love me. I just was so not in love with myself, I assumed everything that anyone did meant that I wasn't loved. And that, I think that's been super powerful too.
0: I have something I have been dying to ask you ever since I heard you do a podcast and I'm, I can't, is it Kara or Kara?
1: It depends on which one. So we have a coach inside of No BS named Kara. And then my friend Kara has the unfuck your brain podcast. Yes.
0: Because I loved that. That was just a lo- beautiful love fest. But one thing that y'all talked about, and it it's related to this, that just blew my mind, is when she was talking about how, when you first started and you had a tough time, upping your prices. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> Where did that come from? Like, why? You know that you are creating immense value for all of these people.
1: Why was it hard to increase the price prices? Um, I was valuing. I knew, like, I have never had a doubt. Um, I have worked hard all my life. And I I grew up with a single mother. And um, like, we always had to work hard. And we had to be the best. And, you know, because my mom didn't have a a college education. I didn't have a college education. I couldn't afford to fuck around. So Mm -hmm. like, I always felt like I had to work three times as hard as anybody around me and be three times as better. Because if I lost a good paying job. I'd have to start at the bottom. Like there was just, that was the way it was going to be. So I've always been able to over-deliver like a freaking boss. And so I never have doubted that I over-deliver, but I based my prices on my self-worth. I based my prices on not wanting people to leave me and thinking that if I just make it cheaper, they won't want to leave me rather than I need to just put like, invest in them as much as I want, charge what it's worth. And they're never going to leave me. They may quit, but I can quit believing it's because of me. I can now start believing that I'm going to be there 110% for every single woman who wants me. And like, I had to make that (coughs) shift and I don't price on myself. Like, I, I will just tell everybody who runs a business Pricing based on your worth is never a good thing. Number one, most of us don't have great Mm self-worth. So it's a terrible baseline to begin with. But second, it's just not even helpful for the person. You know, I just always think, how can I over-deliver like a boss and make it so worth it that they'll never think about what I know is a fair price? Like what I know Um, that's like how I structure my prices for our membership. It's like, I take a look at like all of our expense. I mean, I just run it like a business now. I don't run it based on my purse, like my personal feelings. I take a look at all of our expenses. I take a look at everything that we do. I take it like everything goes that way. And then, then I price. I'm like, all right, this is what like to, to do the things that we want to do, to be able to hire the people we want to be able to hire. This is what we charge. And then from there. I say, all right, so if I'm like, say I'm charging $59 a month right now, then I want to make sure that every single person in there feels like they're getting at least $159 worth of value every single month. So I always like look at what I need to charge and then I build out programs and I build out the resources and I'm like, and just go over the top. And that's how I do it. And I think that it helps me not make it personal anymore you know, for just a long time, it was excruciating for me because I just, I would think if I raise my prices, they're going to leave me Mm -hmm. rather than I'm going to raise my prices and I'm going to blow them all out of the water. And if anybody decides to leave, it's not for them. And that, that whole mindset took time to cultivate, but it has, I mean, when I was operating from like at 15 bucks a month, Like I was going literally from $5 and 95 cents a month to $15 a month. And that was what was excruciating for me. (laughs) I lost people, but had I kept doing it the way I was doing it, 150 women in this world would be helped. Mm. And we have currently over 10,000. I've had over a half a million people come through my free course. I didn't even have a free course back then my podcast as of a few weeks ago has had 31 million downloads. Holy moly. Yeah. Like by me, no longer taking everything so personally and just deciding how was I going to change women's lives. And that meant like changing lives on the people that work for me. Mm -hmm. Like one of the reasons why I'm so passionate about growing my business is not just so that I get to help more women lose weight, but I now have 19 women that work for me that left careers they hated or they like one woman that works for me was a mom all her life. She was like, Corinne, I could have never gotten a job like this, but you created a job for me that I can excel in. She's um, one of our, our Facebook community people. She gets in there every day and she goes hard all day long helping women know where the resources are, talking to them, showing them their successes, highlighting the things that they can't see for themselves. Like that for me is what's powerful. It's like, I always thought that I would change lives. Like I just thought I would help a lot of people lose weight, but I never really thought that I would be able to change family legacy, change, you know, the trajectory. I've got women on my team right now who like the money they make goes into their families future savings that they never thought they would contribute to. So it's just, it's been, you know, being willing to divorce myself from making everything so personal and really putting more of the focus on, it's not about you, Corinne. It's about the people you serve, serve in a big way. And so I always look at whenever I'm making these decisions, how it's going to help me impact more lives. And that's what keeps me more on a path of like, what I would call smart business decisions <laughs> I Love that. I
0: love that. And I, I appreciate you taking the time to talk with me. And I, I hope that people hear that there was so much more that you talked about than weight loss or even business coaching. That was life coaching. <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate you having me too. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Corinne. And I really hope that you, if you have not already, check out her podcast, Losing 100 Pounds with Corinne. I have to tell you, her episodes are just like this. You might think that you're going in for some weight loss tip, but it is some life coaching every time and that's why i am such an avid fan and listener of her podcast as well there's a link to it in the show note as well as a link to her free course that you can take her free weight loss course and a link to her her instagram as well go check her out because you will not regret it my friends and as i say every week if you enjoyed this podcast you can do one of two things You can share it with a friend who you know could benefit from a dose of Corinne, Or you can write a written review on iTunes. Either would be greatly appreciated. And I thank you much. All right. See you next week.